Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a paid program. The views or claims made are not necessarily those of WILK staff, management, or sponsors. It's time for Laurie and Lynn. Local talk to start your weekend right. And now, Laurie and Lynn on WILK. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing the best I can, but to be positive, I'm great. They're oh, well, that's great. <laughs> You sound like Tony the Tiger. That's right. right. That's it. I saw a box of Kellogg's um, Frosted Flakes today on a Mm -hmm. post uh, in the newspaper today, actually, because we're taping on Thursday. And it was showing some of the food and going out to UNC. And there was a big box of Frosted Flakes. And I thought, oh, I love Frosted Mm -hmm. Flakes. Can't eat them now, but I love them. They have gluten in them, so can't. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But I also wanted, before I forget this, I want to tell you that I've noticed and I saw an ad um, on television last night that Weiss's markets are now shifting a much greater percentage of their shelf space to gluten-free and um, I guess you would call them natural foods than they ever did before. Really? So, I didn't see that. Yes. Did you see on the rate, TV? I saw it on TV ad, and I actually went into Weiss's yesterday and noticed the shift. Because where wow. everything used to be, produce and stuff like that, it's yep. on the other wall. And the whole wall that used to be all the produce is now featuring gluten-free and um, uh, organic foods in boxes, stuff like that. Wow. So, well, that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah, good to know. Well, I will tell you, I have not been in stores, but um, my son has been going for me, and he, he, there, a lot of um, the gluten-free stuff is gone as well. I mean, it's, it, you know, including mm-hmm. all of the pasta, like everybody else's pasta is gone. I read something today about that, that uh, that craft macaroni and cheese and canned soups and all these sales have skyrocketed now because in mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks because of people eating more prepared, which I 
I'm not a big fan of, but you can still do things at home that don't have to be already boxed, but whatever. Um, the rise is there because people are kind of switching to that comfort of uh, carbohydrates, I think. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think that's yeah, I what everybody's the only thing from baking like everyone I talk to talks about um, how much they're baking like my girl just before I went on a friend of mine who lives in Tunkhannock she texted me Julie Orlowski she's a nurse at Marworth <clears throat> and um, she called me she used to be the uh, assistant executive because I have to do one to you know, counteract the other. She didn't say that, but I'm assuming that's what she has to do. Everybody is baking and cooking, and oh, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I saw... even... Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. I, I saw um, a video clip today on um, YouTube. The guy who does so much work with cats and training cats and understanding cats, like the cat whisperer, Jackson Galaxy, I think is his name. Um, anyway, he's a wild and crazy man, and he did a whole 15-minute piece on how your cats are now being affected by the fact that you are physically in their space for so yep. much time uh -huh. because they're very territorial, and they are used to having you leave and you come back at a certain time. And so when, I never even thought about that, but when everybody's around and you're in their space, they just don't know what to do with themselves. It's just a bizarre situation. You don't even think about it, but very different. Yeah, well, everything is different. And that, I mean, not only with humans and their pets, but humans with their humans, you know, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> trying to balance that with, with what you're doing is um is hard, you know. I mean, Sean was home <clears throat> for three weeks, and he's gone now for two. He just left on Sunday. He went back to Yale for a, a couple weeks. And Tommy, who we pulled out of New York City many, many weeks ago, um, <clears throat> of course, had been self-quarantined for a while, and, and just, just to be careful. And he... Um, he is now baking and cooking, not baking, but cooking and dropping things off at my house this week. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, now he's free and he's making, you know, sauce and he made home, um, enchiladas the other day. He, he made spaghetti sauce, so he dropped some of the sauce and then he just texted, sent me a picture last night. He made lasagna. And I, he's got, he did gluten-free to split between me, my brother Jimmy's family, and my um, brother-in-law Kevin's family because uh, two of my, their, their family have, um, two of my nieces have celiac, as do my nephews on my brother Jimmy's. So we're all, Tommy's like splitting everything. Plus he made a regular one to give um, to people who can eat regular food. So we said to Meyer, I'm, I'm bringing you a big piece of regular lasagna. And Meyer said, good, because I'm bringing matzah to your mother's. And I said, there you go, Tommy. <laughs> He's celebrating both of his heritages in one, one night. That's pretty good. But, yeah, and before we forget, happy Passover to all of our um, uh, Jewish listeners and friends, and uh, happy Easter. As, as different as it is, um, please know, um, celebrate best you can, and uh, happy Easter before I forget at the end of this. Um, but the baking and the 
everything is i mean you know me i sent you the you know a couple things that i've i've been making uh, blueberry yeah. uh, muffins scone muffins and cakes and to, um, over the weekend, next day or two, I'm going to make my blueberry clafuti. Clafuti. I don't know how you say it properly. Clafuti. What is it? Clafuti. Clafuti. So then, so there you go. So I'm making that, which is fabulous. And mm -hmm. um, we'll have to talk about that someday. But that's the best because anything you do with blueberries and they, you heat them and they burst, and the color just, the, <laughs> it just. It's just so, I love how it looks. It's just so pretty and tasty. And so anyway, that'll be my next thing to make. I okay. made peanut butter, chocolate chip, peanut butter and chocolate chip, chip um, cookies twice while Sean was here. Um, big, mm -hmm. big ones like Scanlon's, mm -hmm. um, meaning they're like a meal, you know? <laughs> yeah, they're monsters. <laughs> Oh, man. But anyway, <clears throat> so I've been on my exercise bike and doing my stretching. So I am, I'm doing my part in that, too. Well, how about uh, you? Patrick, Patrick A. and I went out for yes, quite saw a that walk, walk the in. other day. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. and, and he did uh, all right. He navigated yes, he beautifully, did. I saw. Uh -huh. He did. He had a, a very refreshing time. As I'm sitting here doing this, I'm looking out the windows now, and we're going through round two of that storm with significant amounts of wind and, uh, and sleet and rain. So I hope we don't lose our connection here. But if we do, we do. Uh, I want to also say uh, that I've heard something funny about the fact that we cannot really gather with each other for this holiday that's so important to both to the Jewish religion and to the Christian religion. And so for the Jewish religion, we're now claiming that it is Zoom over rather than <laughs> And we haven't come up with some cute little thing to say for Easter, but I'm sure somebody, some uh, brainiac will come up with something that describes what that is. But it's, this yeah. is really, I think, the part where, as you said, it does get very difficult because we're so used to this being an opportunity for family to get together. And well, and the preparation we and, yeah, I mean, and you still have to keep, I just feel because everything has been cut out of your tradition this year. You know, we were talking about so many people, like Sean said, <clears throat> my sister was telling me something about what she was um, fasting on. And I said, oh, Barbara, so many people gave up <laughs> their fast when this whole thing struck. Yeah. I said, including Sean, who said at one point, he said, Mom, I'm eating sweets. It was, I was fasting, but when Corona hit, I'm done. So I, and a lot of people <laughs> said it, you know, laughingly, but, and I said, I know it was the same thing for me because the 16th of March was the last day I could do my daily um, um, mass, yeah. going to mass. And so you just, you, you st it just kind of stopped. So it just seemed so abrupt and so different that this thing, you don't even realize, you know, Barb, Barb was saying earlier, it's so somber out there. This, this was on Monday. And I said, well, it, usually in a quiet week, like Holy Week, it does tend to be that way because we have so many, you know, whether pa because Passover does usually call, fall in the, at the same time. It's, it's, it is a quiet time, but yeah. it's even quieter, which is, um, 
creepy. Yeah. Is quieter a word? It is. Okay, yeah. just making sure. Yeah. Didn't sound right. Um, <laughs> so the check on my vocabulary too. But mm-hmm. it, it's a little it's a little different, Lynn. It's um but what are we gonna do? We have to keep going and doing the right thing. And then you read all these conflicting things, like this morning I'm reading the article about is the ventilator better or worse for you if you have it, and uh, it, it, and there's no you know evidence, but they are wondering if that's the case. It's, and why is it? Because they, people were so sick going in and their lungs were so compromised. Maybe it doesn't have anything to do with it. it's. It, 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 I mean, I'm sure everybody is looking at everything now and going over with the fine-tooth comb, so to speak, to understand what, you know, what this is. And the other thing that I think is so important about all of this, that we, we are now developing protocols that will allow us to be prepared should something like this happen again. And that, that's just, it's the same thing that happened with uh, 9-11. You know, we had no expectation of something like what happened happening in our country on our home soil. And now that that happened, we've put into effect so many different things that resulted from that that supposedly will make us so much safer. I think the same thing is true for this. Um, And regardless of, you know, to put the politics aside, the reality is that we really were not prepared for this, for something like this. And a lot of what we had, supposedly, um, in stockpiles for things like this were from back in 2001 when this happened. And um, so masks and respirators and things that are now 19 years old and, and dysfunctional. So, again, we learned a lesson. Um, you can't just put them there and forget about it. There's got to be some other ways for people to say, you know, this is the kind of stuff we have to do to be prepared. And and good we did it. I mean, it will make a difference if it ever happens again. Yeah. And there's nobody out there at this point who's saying it won't recur. Yeah, I know. Let's hope it doesn't. And on no. that note, we're going to take a quick break. And um, you're listening this morning to the Laurie and Lynn Show, and we'll be right back. It's Saturday morning with Laurie and Lynn. Now, back to Laurie and Lynn. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to the Laurie and Lynn Show. I'm Laurie Cadden, the, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. And I'm Lynn Evans. I'm the managing director of a company called Women of Substance, LLC, which is a financial planning firm designed specifically for the needs of baby boomer women. I'm also the host of a podcast called Power of the Purse, and that's available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And I've got a bunch of things that I found this wonderful site that I, I guess only really looked at in passing. But it's a, a Kiplinger, or if it's pronounced a Kiplinger. I don't know which is the correct way. But that place, spelled the same way, K-I-P-L-I-N-G-E-R. G-E-R, and, yes. And they had so many wonderful articles in here about so many things. It's really well done. But the one in particular uh, that I wanted to talk about, and I 
would like you to participate in it if you feel like you'd like to. But it was about the fact that uh, for women becoming suddenly single and the financial aspects of what that means. And this is primarily for women who have become widowed or who have been divorced. And for those who have never done anything in the world of personal finance, it comes as quite a shock when you learn that you need to be responsible for everything financially. There's no other person to pick up the slack. So this particular article uh, talks about the fact that um, the flood of emotions you experience may affect your decision-making abilities, no matter how strong or independent you were as a partner. In most relationships, responsibilities are shared. You may or may not have been the bill payer or the asset organizer. Now these and myriad other roles are all on your shoulders. Um, this I thought was interesting. I've heard it so many times, but I, and I thought I understood what it meant. But this author says, you need the Oxford Dictionary's definition of triage. And that definition is the assignment of the degrees of urgency. And I know that whenever we go into VREC and we have an animal with us, they always announce it on the PA system and they'll say triage for a cat. And then people come running out and they, they do what they need to do. But, I, but it's kind of had a, a nuance to it in medical terms that also means something urgent has to be dealt with. But she's talking about in this article that the term is used when referring to a medical disaster, but it's also applicable to your finances during times of personal crisis. As you begin rebuilding your life, here's the first steps to take. Number one, a cash flow analysis will be an important step to determine your financial obligations and your current sources of income. Now, I think most divorce attorneys will have had that already put together because that is the basis of any alimony. When you become a spouse, I mean a, a widow, you don't have the luxury of time to know that thing. But this is very important, so you need to figure out what are all your expenses and what are your current sources of income. Second thing to do is to establish an emergency fund. That should be a top priority. Once any immediate expenses are covered, positioning some of your funds for supplementing your reduced monthly income should be the next priority. After your current situation has been addressed, establishing a long-term plan for life insurance proceeds or assets designated for retirement is the final goal. And then this is one that often the attorney's offices will generally do this, but sometimes they don't. And that is to update all annuity, life insurance, yeah. and retirement yeah. plan assets with your new primary and contingent beneficiary arrangements. And then the tax issues you have to consider. What could be the most beneficial way to file your current year taxes? For those who are divorced, 
filing separately, jointly, or married filing separately are all potential options, each with their own advantages and disadvantages. For widows and widowers, the year of your spouse's death is the last year you are eligible to file jointly and take advantage of the expanded tax brackets and benefits. And then quarterly estimates may need to be adjusted to reflect your new income situation. And that's very often one of those things that um, the male partner has taken on. And that's when you get your taxes done, you may realize that you, you owe more than you put in last year. So therefore, your accountant will tell you because you underpaid your taxes, you now need to make estimated quarterly payments so that they figure out what that needs to be and you have a little tear-off slip or you can go online and do it, but you have to make these quarterly payments. And a lot of times people don't, uh, widows, they know that that's something they have to do. So I'm saying that, and, and even a lot of divorced women never did it, their husbands did. So the point is that you've got to remember when you go through this and if your accountant or your lawyer doesn't say it, you need to get that in your head that you need to be looking at quarterly estimates if there were any and you have to adjust them. The legal issues to consider, you have to ensure that you follow the directions set forth in your deceased spouse's will. That's when we talk about the, the durable powers of attorney the executor, personal representative, and you also have to do things like notify Social Security, pension providers, and creditors. One thing so many people do not know about Social Security is that if your spouse's, your deceased spouse's checks were automatically being deposited in a checking account, the month in which they die, that money has to be returned to the IRS because yes. it's paid after a month of benefits. Well, I can tell so you that that automat Lynn, that automatically happens. What automatically happens? Well, in the case of my mother. Now, my mother was not married because my dad was gone so many years before her, but her social direct deposit went in and then it went back yeah. out. Uh, yeah. They took it out. They took it. Them, yeah. uh, Social Security automatically did. Now, I wonder if that's because the Social Security checks, do they have to? They're not automatic. Any, they still get an actual physical check, some people, right? Some people do, but they... So maybe rare. they're the ones Very Maybe rare. they're the ones that will not automatically, they have to send it back. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, but the electronic, my mother's just swept, they pulled it out. But they did it because the funeral director has to file a form. Okay, right, with, and they uh, did. And then they know that, and then they take the money out. So right. whether they take it out or you get a check, my point is don't count on that to be there. That's because right. it's not going to be there. That's right. And that's really important that you understand that you will lose that paycheck. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then the next one is don't forget to take care of yourself. I like this idea because so many of us forget that part. Um, during such stressful times, you need to take a moment to consider your own needs so you can put yourself in a position where you're strong enough to help yourself. Remember, emotional and spiritual triage 
go hand in hand with financial triage. Turn to your friends, family, and your higher being for help. Stay busy, exercise, meditate, pray, visit family, or go to a support group. Find what works for you. And words of caution, once you get started picking up the financial pieces, it's important to protect yourself while you're still vulnerable. Don't be in a rush to change existing investments. Avoid impulsive emotional decisions like buying a new car or moving. That's the big one I see all the time. The kids say, come on, mom, move in with me. Could be the worst thing ever. You just need at least six months to figure out what you want to do with your life, if you can afford to do that. And then the last one was wait until you've healed, excuse me, and then put in a holistic plan in place for your future. And the final thoughts are, if the to-do list of financial, tax, and legal tasks seem overwhelming to accomplish your own good news, there are professionals trained to and prepared to help you. Between financial planners, CPAs, and attorneys, the resources are there to take care of the urgent and allow you time to get your feet on the ground before tackling the next chapter of your life. That you know are know that you are strong. Work at finding peace and nurture your soul. Rebuilding your life is a process that goes beyond urgency. Take the time to rediscover yourself. Be positive. Get a vision and outline new goals for your happiness. And that was written by a woman named Allie Swoford, who's the president of Swoford Financial, and she's a. A PhD as well. Well, so, it is. Um, uh, you know out. what? Yeah, and you know what, Lynn? I can tell you from being divorced um, woman um, and still a single woman, it is very. It is very. When you take on that responsibility, it's an. It, it, it. People really need to understand the emotion that goes along with ending the marriage, and if you have children, making sure their lives are as. Um, uh, consistent as they have been and then you also then become the person who has to do everything for the house and for all the decisions it's an overwhelming um, responsibility for someone regardless of whether you were involved or not it, it is it is huge and sometimes when I look back I think I don't know how the hell I did <laughs> because it exactly. is just but you realize that you have to take care of children and that sort of takes over and you you mm-hmm. do it much like a grieving spouse who becomes a widow or widower whether they're the ones doing it or not it is it is so overwhelming that you are now alone and you have to navigate through it it's it's unbelievable i mean just knowing what i know from my mother with my dad and knowing my own personal experience on the divorce side it is um it's it's unbelievable so yeah big lots of changes lots but anyway so um i guess we're going to take a break yes ma'am and we will be right back it's Saturday morning with Lori and Lynn. Now, back to Lori and Lynn. Hi, everybody. Um, hope you're all doing well and staying safe and staying home. 
My name is Lynn Evans. I am a, a, the managing director of a company called Women of Substance LLC, which is a financial planning firm designed specifically for the needs of baby boomer women. And I'm also the host of a podcast called Power of the Purse, and that's available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. <sighs> and here and we are. And you're safe. And, and you're home. Yes. And, and um, with, like I with said, the brilliance you, of technology, we can do this at home. <laughs> yes. And that's a good thing. We do miss yeah. seeing our, our love of loves, Mr. John here, Johnny Jason. Lucas. Um, <laughs> we do miss and 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 um, Jason, who we see, and Mark and Jake and Jake from State yeah. Farm, and we're all you know we miss all our boys. But yeah, um, and our friend who works there, I don't even know his name, who always is so happy when he sees us and tells us, "I thank God it's Thursday because I always see your smiling faces." So we we, we have to find out what here. his name. No, that that man, that guy who sees us. Yes, yeah, I that's know. what he said. I don't know his yeah. name. Do you? Uh, no, I don't. We're going to no, have to I don't, find but out. We'll have to. Yes, we will. Yeah. Um, yep. You know what, Lynn? I didn't and, uh, talk about this last week either, but I just have to what? tell you. I would, now, I'm, I'm just so saddened for um, the loss of Father Sika. Um, yeah. he, he just was such a wonderful guy. Every time I saw him, he was always so happy and, and happy to see you and funny. And uh, he just was the best. And I'll never forget the time when Evie was being roasted by Kiwanis uh, two years ago. And I was the um, MC. And mm -hmm. I said to Evie, I'm Evie, I'm letting everybody be the funny. I'm just up here to move this along. And Father Sika pulled me by the arm. He goes, you know what your job is, Laurie? Your job is to get us the hell out of here. <laughs> and I said, there you go. That's what we're doing. So um, I always remember that one. And that's what I told this year when I was supposed to be the MC at the Society of Irish Women. I told Lori, I said, to paraphrase Father Sika, my job is to get everybody the hell out of here. So, because enough is enough, if you know what I mean, after yeah. a while. But, um, yeah. yeah, just it, such, uh, it's, it's just amazing. Some of it, he's, he was a great guy, and just and all of these losses during this time, and, and mm -hmm. families not being able to have, you know, they're by themselves, and, and not the community can't be involved due to this, you know, pandemic and and it's just on top of a death and you deal with the the the, the isolation it's it's just a terrible yeah. time so terrible. and to anyone out there you know there's so many people and judge munley who was just i don't even know if i talked about him but just an incredible man just absolutely loved him listened to our show and his family beautiful family i it's just amazing um mm -hmm. that these people are gone and it's so upsetting yeah. but anyway we're sending good thoughts to them and their families so yes and um i just trying to think of the name of it um i watched the video just before i came up here and um john have you seen it john krasinski i guess is the guy's name who yeah used to from be, the office uh, from the office he yes, started I love his him. own his, he started his own channel, he called it. It's actually a YouTube channel. And it's um, it's really funny. It's classically funny because it's, um, it's all good news. 
and I forget what he calls it. Um, it's S, not SNL, but it's supposed to be a takeoff and something like that. Uh, and he did a 15-minute show about all the positive things that are going on in the world today in the midst of all this. And he did bring in Steve Carell, and they talked for a few minutes about The Office and some of their their fondest memories of the funniest moments. And it was good. It was just good to see something positive and funny. So if you guys uh, were looking for something that would lift your spirits, go find John Krasinski on YouTube and look at his, subscribe to his, his new program. I guess he's going to try to do several of them. He's got two up now. I only saw the first one, but, um, and he brought in the, some wonderful footage of, it's a lot of video. So it's, it's fun to watch, not just seeing him, seeing him sit there and yap. So get on, um, get on your YouTube and check him out. Yeah, he's, he's uh, really good. He, he was very good. Here's an article that I've been just, I couldn't wait to talk about this one because this really puts it in a great perspective. It's financial lies. Women need to stop telling themselves. And I love it. I think that's the best title ever. And the subtitle is, think you don't have a head for finances or that your husband has it covered. You could be selling yourself short and endangering your retirement security. Most people have heard of the gender pay gap, but we hear much less about the gender investment gap. If women focus only on raising their wages, they're missing an important financial step. Without solid planning and investing, even high-earning women could remain vulnerable, especially in retirement. And I have to say, in all the research I did for the book that I wrote, Power of the Purse, one of the most amazing things to me was how very well-educated women and very um, successful high-level executives admitted that they knew virtually nothing about investing and felt embarrassed to acknowledge that because they were so brilliant in all the other stuff they did. So that I know is true, and especially where it shows up is in retirement because for many of these women making six- and seven-figure incomes, they just don't understand how to create an investment portfolio even within their 401k plan and they just default to things to the easy way out they're just leaving so much money on the table it's ridiculous yet studies show that women still invest later invest less and retain more cat excuse me more cash than men they perform significantly worse when quizzed about retirement income planning, and they're less likely than men to engage a financial professional. According to financial services provider TIAA report, women also are more likely than men to name running out of money as their biggest retirement concern, which we also characterize by, being, by saying the fear of being a bag lady. So, wait a minute. No, wait, to, wait. You mm-hmm. said they less. They're less likely to say that, or they are. They're, they're more likely. They're more likely than men 
to name running out of money as their okay. biggest retirement concern. Okay, that's what concern. I All right, got it. So that is how they, they think of it is I don't want to end up being a bag lady. Right. That is the fear. Right. Okay. And this woman who wrote this article said she's a former psychotherapist. She said, I'm very aware of the anxieties women have about financial planning and the consequences for their retirement. I see many who are worried about their lack of knowledge and experience as well as how those concerns hold them back. Here are the six, re six reasons women give for not seeking and in some cases actually avoiding the information and planning that could provide the financial confidence they crave. Number one, my brain doesn't work that way. <laughs> she says, believe me, I understand the fear. I got my master's in social work and became a psychotherapist because I didn't think I had the savvy required to go to business school. Once I kicked that lie out of my head, I realized learning anything, including finance, is merely a decision. And that's brilliant, what she just said. It's a decision. It's never too late to learn something new. And men don't necessarily know as much about finances as it might appear. In my experience, while a man may be less likely to admit he needs financial clarification, a look of relief will often cross his face when his wife asks the question. Number two, it's boring. Women frequently tell me they have no interest in numbers and charts, but my husband loves this stuff, they'll say, and he's got us covered. Thing is, it isn't necessary to get in the weeds with calculations and charts to develop a financial plan. There are simple programs available to crunch those numbers, but retirement is about you. Your trip to Italy, your grandkids, your desire to hold on to your money. Plus, consider that 90% of women will be the sole household provider at some point in their lives. If you haven't been attending financial meetings or don't understand your financial plan, you could literally live to regret it. Grief is hard enough without adding financial insecurity to the mix. As the old proverb says, Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. I like that oh. a lot. I like that. And number three, the excuse. I don't have the time. I get it. Time is short. Women are flying around doing for others and shoving their own needs aside. I'm usually the first to recommend that an overworked woman use a precious extra hour to hit a yoga class or get a massage. However, going through your budget, meditating on your retirement goals, educating yourself financially, or going to see a financial advisor is also a vital part of self-care. Number four, it makes me anxious, or it'll all work out. She said, ah, sweet denial. These sentiments are two sides of the same avoidance coin. One interesting dynamic I see in my practice is how some women misinterpret their financial situation. Wealthy female clients will come in with a coffee from McDonald's claiming they can't afford Starbucks. Meanwhile, women who could be spending retirement in their child's basement are giving money away by the fistful. Whether you're feeling anxious when you shouldn't or not worrying about should, a defense mechanisms at work. There's no way around or under a problem, the only way is through it. Number five, money issues cause big arguments in our household. 
so it's best not to talk about money at all. Remember that when we fight as couples, the topic is often merely the expression of the underlying dynamic in our relationship, good, bad, or indifferent. While we might reach levels of acceptance for our partner's position on a given matter, it does not excuse us from being responsible for getting our own needs met. Mm. Studies show that women have more different concerns about retirement. This is directly related to how money is spent and saved during earning years and requires conversation. And number six, although we're on the same page about money, my husband bristles when I ask about our financial plan, so I just drop it. If you're like many women I see, your husband knows where everything related to your finances is located, but you don't. My husband has been working in the financial industry nearly twice as long as I have. I have no doubt he has it all figured out, and I trust him implicitly, but the information doesn't seep into my brain through osmosis during the night, nor does anxiety wane in the darkness. What if he died? Where is everything? How would I manage it? When this power struggle arises, it's typically one of two things. Your husband may be reading your fear as criticism, or he may be failing to grasp how important it is to you. Either way, I recommend finding a quiet, physical, and emotional space to share your concerns. Mm -hmm. That's really, really well written. It is. Well. And on that note... That's the deal. That's the end. Is that what you're telling us? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's it. Okay. Many times in there, she says, you got to go see somebody and confront it. You can't ignore it. Yeah, but you know what I... The other thing I took away from that real quick was the chick who says she what? won't go to Starbucks because she's too cheap. That's the problem. Anyway, <laughs> here we go. Um, I'm going <laughs> to I hate cheap. Anyway, we're going we're going to see you next week, everybody. Please be safe out there. Stay safe and stay well. And we'll see you and soon. Thanks for and yeah, and stay home. And thanks for listening, everybody. Be safe and please be nice. Bye. Happy Bye. Easter. Bye. And happy Passover. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.